0: In this episode of Now Is It Alvor.
1: I completed 14 peak in 13 years. Tomorrow, maybe some people it complete 25 years. I need to help. It's more about the research. Not for only Sherpas, not only for Nepal. Whole mountaineering community. And we need to help each other. That uh, success is not only for me. If I climb without oxygen, I... I cannot help other people, yeah. But that is not ego. If I use oxygen, definitely. If I saw the something and then some people is travel in mountain, I definitely help. But if I climb without oxygen, I cannot help. <laughs>
0: Alright, folks, welcome to this extremely special episode of the Now Is It Alvor podcast. My name is Hans Christian Smetzrad. I am your host, and in this episode, you're gonna hear me and a girl named Katarina Telas Nieves do an interview with a legend. He's a living legend. His name is Mingma David Sherpa. And he is the youngest person ever to have climbed all of the eight thousand meter peaks on the on planet Earth. There are fourteen of them, and uh, he completed them all this year. And he's uh, he's thirty years old, the same age as I am. And um, I met him when I was in Kathmandu about uh, I think this was about a month ago. So it's a it's an interview I've been sitting on for a while actually and um i've been trying to kind of find a way to to um to present it to you in the right way so this this uh this podcast it's it's a special format and i'll I'll get into that later when we uh, introduce it with uh uh, when i introduce it with together with uh, Catherine and um I think I'll just start the episode right now, and before the actual interview and the the um, yeah the the intro, there will be some Norwegian talking. So if you just if you if you're one of my English listeners, just skip ahead. I think it's going to be about eight minutes from now. Uh, yeah, maybe you have one of those um, those uh, podcast apps where you can skip ahead to next chapter and if you do uh, do so. And if not just skip ahead 8 minutes. All right uh, folks, Välkommen till uh, dagens episoder av Nu no är er det allvar, episode 81. Och det här, här är er en episode som jag har uh, snackat lite om uh, i um, en stund nu för det som ni vet, det var er ingen till om att det var i Nepal för uh, för någon uke jag var i Nepal i ska vi säga en en och en halv månad cirka nästan to. Um, och i löpande den turen där då så så träffade jag jag gjorde två intervjuer med någon lokala folk och ett av de här intervjuan det var man eh, Mingma David Sherpa och um, Mingma David Sherpa han är er en legende bara för att han är er, um, Ja, det är er vanskligt att putte ord på det, men jag kan se si så att han är er världens yngste genom tiden till att ha bestegget, hvis man kan si det, bestegget bestiget meter stoppan 8000 i världen. Och det är er 14 styck av dem. Han gjorde med syrgas och um, vi pratade lite om det och um, ja, vi pratade om uh, myanna och ska vi säga måten att träffarna på då. Det var att jag satt i satt på en kafé och 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 klippa lite podcast och gjorde ja, jobbar och så samman med då er som eller Catherine som kanske husker från den andra episoden jag gjorde från ett par. Um, och så kommer han kisen här in i caféen där med antourage sitt fem styck. Den bara tar ett stort bord. Du kan bara se där er med rockstars. Det är er något du ser på dem att de här folk kan är er en big deal. Eh, og och Katrine som är er, eh, ja, ganska inte eh fjällklatring. med en gång att det här är er han Mingma David Sharpa. Och eh, han är er 30 år gammal. Eh like gammel som mig. Eh pytteliten karl och vi ja Katrine vi vi visst kallar till varandra och sa så fan det har varit kult att få det online podcast med han han har ju nettop fullfört det här projektet som som också egentligen var det som gjorde han väldigt känd i år då. Det var det att han sammen med han Nims var en annan väldigt känd fjällklättrare som vi snackar om. Han de de klättrar alla 8000 meter topparna på litt over 6 månader. Alltså satt en ny rekord på att klättra alla topparna. Um, men vi vi diskuterat lite så liksom fann det hade varit kul att få ett et intervju med han, med han Mingma. Men kursen ska vi göra Kursen ska vi liksom approacha och inte virka som fanboys eller fangirls. Uh, så vi uh, bara såna rätt för han uh, skulle dra. Ska vi säga eller betga Jeg gick på do och så kom jeg tillbaka och då hade Katarina kommit och snackat med han. Och så så bara låg ju micken på 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 bordet. Och så så han på den och så skönt han att jag var liksom en journalist eller efter han. Och så hilstade på han och så sa snart ja jag har en podcast och jag drömmer löping och jag vet vad du har gjort och det har varit fett att kanske ta en prat med dig. Och så Arrangerade vi att mötas I, ja, I en park dagen et, dagen efter på, och det är er det intervju här är Mingma David Sherpa och huvu Katrine Delas Nieves sitta i Garden of Dreams mitt i Kathmandu och prata med med, med han, da, eller prata sammen. Och så uh, han är er inte världens han är er väldigt stödd på engelsk men det kommer kanske inte så bra fram i podcasten det är er kanske inte så lytbart som för exempel den här Thomas stordalen episoden. Så det jag gjorde då var att för jag kan, kan inte ge ut intervjuer i sin helhet alena, uklippa. Så det, det jag gjorde då var att jag och Katrina satte oss ned ett par dagar ätte på och så hörte vi på intervjuer och så kommenterade vi det så att Ja, det är er lite det är er men uh, jag tror det är er väldigt bra för historieberättelsen och för att uppklara lite ting. Så visst du då er en sån här klassisk nod er allvarl ytter med med kompressort uh, lägg <laughs> kompressionstrumpa och uh, eh sko <laughs> som uh, snör på där löparskon och Och ska ut i skogen och höra på liksom, en episod med något allvar och förvänta en klassisk något allvarig som man nästan skuffar det här är er en episode som du kanske borde ha på i bilen eller jag vet inte, du, du gör andra ting. men det här är er ett intervju, det är er ett legendariskt intervju och jag tror det är er inte många som har fått till ett ett intervju såna här alltså som är er spilt in med på lyd det er mest skreve artiklar om han med intervjuer och sånt. Jag tror kanske är er den den första podcasten han gör. Så det här är dödsfött och kunde presentera till er å kunne til dere, Mingma David Sharpa i Noor Alvor. Jag tror egentligen vi bara säger det sån folkens och så så trycker jag på play och så får ni höra på. Mm. Och ska vi se då den här episoden den har ju då varit genom lite av ett kan man säga si, en en labyrint för docker har fått hört den här för det är planlagt att göra nu det är er att lägga den episoden här ut som en torrent den här episoden för den har kommit ut nu så som du säkert höra på nu genom iTunes eller Overcast eller efter anna den här er loggade ut på ut på The Pirate Bay ett par dagar som ett experiment för min del bare for att se om folk folk eh, har klart att finna fram till episoden och ja ett et lite stönt så bara eh, bara så det er sagt den här den här episoden har varit pirat och fåddes snär. den har blivit lika. <laughs> den har blivit läckad på internet så ta, ta bara hör på episoden ko och så så snakkes vi eh, nästa gång och nästa gång det är er ett intervju med Kristina som har gått Pacific Crest Trail PCT. Doker huska på Kristina som i fjor skulle gå nu har du gått så det blir kul att höra om hon hon faktiskt gick, sant? Och kanske jag ger den ut som en torrent också. Eh, vi får se. All right. Mingma David Kjerpa. Overload. <laughs> <out. laughs> Alright, Catherine. Tell me about what we're doing right now. Where are we at and uh, what's going on?
2: Hello there. Um, we are now in um, Katmandu Astrek uh, climbing gym which is a cool place to hang around uh, there are some cafes and terraces with lounges to, to chill uh, in between climbs <laughs> at the walls um, yeah this is where we are yeah
0: we're on the second floor and we're looking at the, the walls and no one's actually climbing right now it's, uh, it's a 1 1 p.m. in the afternoon right so maybe we'll see some climbers maybe we'll see some climbers and we're having a coffee and we're getting ready to do this episode, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Just, yeah, we met an incredible person yesterday, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about that.
0: Yeah, and this morning we're, we're <laughs> we were at a different cafe and we actually tried to record uh, the intro of this episode. And this is maybe our 10th try. And so we, we have decided on the format. It's going to be, um, we're going to listen to, uh, to the uh, interview we did yesterday with uh, Mingma. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna listen to the interview here, and we're gonna stop, and we're gonna comment, and we're gonna inform the listeners a little bit more, and try to contextualize it and describe it a little bit more, so that people can maybe appreciate Mingma's accomplishments, right?
2: Yeah, I I think it's it's very hard to to just have an idea of how big uh, what he have, uh, is what he has done. Um, so far Uh, and to understand a little bit of who he is and what's his position right now like in the mountaineering uh, world and so yeah we need to provide some context for that it will be fun
0: and what is his position in the mountaineering world and and who is Mingma?
2: Well Mingma David Sharpa it's well he he was named uh, the Sharpa of the year 2019 Um, he is kind of like on spotlight right now uh, he He was a uh, climbing partner where, with uh Nirmal Purja puja um in project Possible, so he's been climbing uh eight thousand mountains all this year on and on and um yeah and he's like the youngest uh nepali well he 's the youngest person uh, around that have climbed uh the of four uh,
0: thousand all all yeah. of the fourteen yeah, exactly. eight thousand peaks a yeah. lot of numbers here but there I'm are sorry, four that's... fourteen peaks in the world yeah, above I mean. eight thousand meters exactly and, yeah yeah so it that's is, pretty cool
2: and he's the youngest one yeah. that has accomplished that so he's 30 um and if you compare it to the legend that uh Reinhold Messner is, that he, it took him a lot of time it was different uh it was a different time of his as well, back then. Also,
0: didn't Messner do it without oxygen? It's a different kind of genre in this whole thing.
2: Yes, yes, that's true. It, um, but it took him many, many years to, to, um, to climb them all. Mm. So it's different, yeah.
0: yeah. And he didn't actually try to do it as fast as possible, right? I don't think so.
2: No, it wasn't a project at the beginning. He was just climbing, from what I know. Uh, and then he, at some point he was like, oh yeah, I have them almost all. I might as well climb them all yeah. I think that's how it was so yeah
0: uh, and Mingma didn't try to set a speed record either uh, it just so like happened uh, organically right
2: yeah exactly he's such a c- humble guy it's incredible he was like yesterday he was telling us no I mean I didn't do this because of the record I mean I'm not after records it's just it's, it happened and i'm glad uh i just want to be in the mountains climb and help other people to achieve their dreams and help people uh when they when they are in need in the mountains which is something pretty awesome because usually we are very focused on ourselves um like i don't know trail runners uh sometimes are like
0: their own yeah i mean we show up at races and we try to do as best as possible and maybe you try to win and it's all about the ego right yeah uh yeah it's a different approach
2: completely different like to to just to say that you well he's been trying to set up a rescue team uh for the himalayas uh for a few years now so uh he told us yesterday about an experience that he had he found like um his sponsorship and he was working with some Australians so for a season he, he put together a team of rescuers and they actually I think they rescued 52 people out out of Mount Everest uh, and maybe some other peaks as well mm-hmm. so that's incredible because they don't have that here and it's really important because it's it, mountaineering it's, gr- it's growing here a lot. There are other um, eight thousand pigs um, that are becoming more and more commercial nowadays. So this is this is a huge deal. And this guy, he he, he is the one that is saying it and that is and is pointing at that. This is very important. We should have that. And he he's been trained to to rescue people. So this is the guy. I mean, to do it. And he he, he feels it when you talk when, when you talk to him you can tell that he feels like this he, he's not just a job
0: or yeah, it's not it's, he's not in it for the fame he's not he's not there to party and to celebrate himself he's just there to yeah enjoy the mountains help others uh, he wants to get back down that's also one of the reasons he uses uh, oxygen but he also has o- oxygen with him on the trips so that if he maybe meets a person that is in need, he can give the oxygen to others. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's awesome because um, if you think about uh, his history, life history, he doesn't come from um, uh, a mountain area. He doesn't come from a mountaineer family. Um, he, he's not like, uh, inspired by his
0: family or the
2: surroundings.
0: He had a mentor, his uncle. That's it.
2: Yes, but that was after he decided he wanted to go to the mountains. He comes from a family of farmers. Uh, he lived like um, at fifteen hundred yeah. meters high. That's what he said. And then, and then uh, it, it's pretty hard. I mean, just to just to be someone from so so such a low level and then go up and perform well. And then when he realized that. Uh, I don't know. He just fell in love with the mountains. Uh, so, like the mountains are like in in his heart. Um, he adopted the mountains. Something. It's very strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a natural thing for him to do. Like sometimes it happens with other Sherpas
0: because they are always in the mountains. Yeah, they, they were born in, the, in high altitude, and they, yeah, that was just expected
2: of them, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, and it's just your surroundings. Uh, it's it's your daily life go up and down the mountain uh, so for him it wasn't like this uh, so make it even more uh, incredible because he comes from a different different area mm. yeah
0: all right maybe uh, we can set some context to the actual interview we met uh, Mingmo yesterday at uh, the what's it called the garden of dreams in Kathmandu a very uh, the most quiet place in Kathmandu a little bit more quiet than this I guess uh yeah, very nice place. Very nice garden. It's like the an oasis in the middle of the polluted city of Kathmandu, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool place to go. Yeah. It's a beautiful garden and have some cafes and restaurants around. Yeah.
0: And so we hit the record button and maybe we should just start, shall we? Yeah. And uh okay, so we're going to hit hit um hit play right now so the listeners will be able to listen to the interview, and we're gonna stop in between and comment. So, okay, let's just start.
2: Okay, let's do it. this is another
0: one, another one, baby. Hello, this is another one, another one, baby. baby. Welcome, welcome to Now is in our hour with oh, Hans Christian and friends. Cast that you ever did here we're going to thrill you we're going to teach you we're going to entertain you like Britney Spears once said there're those of us who observe and those of us who are here to entertain we're here to entertain you best All right, let's uh, let's start this uh, podcast. All right, let's uh, set the stage. We're at the Garden of Dreams in the middle of uh, Kathmandu. It's the twenty um, fifth uh, of November. It's a Monday, and I'm here with uh, two people. And uh, yeah, maybe you can introduce your, yourself first. Uh, thank you very much. My name is Mingma
1: Gabu Sherpa, but uh, but people know it bit uh, Mingma David Sherpa.
0: Yeah, maybe we can start there. Why? Because uh, your real name is not David, is it? Did you uh, construct it yourself? Like, is it like a? Because a lot of you Sherpas have uh, very similar names, right? So do you have to distinguish yourself from the others somehow?
1: Yeah, actually, I started to Facebook 2010, and then many people is confusing. Even not only Facebook in the mountain, also one of the group and maybe two, three different Mingma that's why many people is confusion and then mingma then definitely someone asking who is mingma and then which one like that of question that's why 2014 i decided to mingma ji sherpa and then also someone put mingma ji sherpa and then i changed mingma david sherpa then 2015 to continue now my Facebook, Instagram is uh,
0: Mingma David Sherpa. Yeah, and there's also another very famous mountaineer called Mi'kma Sherpa. So Mi'kmaq you want to... Sherpa,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah uh. All right, and uh, on my right side here we have...
2: Hey, it's me, Catherine, again. <laughs> yeah, so
0: re- remember Catherine from the last episode with... Uh, yeah, in the intro and outro of uh, episode number 78. Yeah, so she will be, uh, I guess, the sparring partner here in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, you are you are an expert of the mountains and uh you can uh yeah, it's going to be a cool episode I think. So, let's uh let's start. Uh it's going to be uh, mostly about Ming- Mingma. Uh David uh, David or David? How do you pronounce it? Uh, David. David. All right. So, um you became very famous this year, right? But you have done a lot of things before 2019 let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh why you have become famous first, and then we can go into your background. so what happened during two thousand nineteen That's worth talking about yeah I did uh, two thousand
1: nineteen I did uh nine eight thousand meter expedition and some of the top is uh, rescue and then all the success mm-hmm. yeah maybe that's why. yeah yeah. yeah. yeah
0: you're very humble when you talk about this but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but on your Instagram uh, you have three bullet points so the first one is that you have the the record of the highest um, long rope rescue in the world right yes right and the second one the second bullet point is that you are the youngest uh, climber of all the 14 8000 peaks and I was curious. Why do you c- do you put the the rescue first and not the the climb the, the achievement you have of, of doing all the fourteen thousand peaks? uh yeah, eight thousand peaks.
1: Yeah, I summited. Uh, I'm the youngest fourteen peak summiter. But uh, that is that records for me actually. But uh, one of the main thing is rescue someone is uh, different things. But uh, I really like to someone life and save the mountain, that's the actually really good for me also, I, actually I, I make a record, but that is for me actually, but someone help me and then make a record, that is my record, but someone I help and someone rescue, that is the actually good things, only not for me, whole Nepal and then whole the mountain industry, that's why.
0: All right. So we'll get into the, the rescuing and the summiting, but first let's get to know you. Where where are you from?
1: Um, I'm from eastern part of Nepal and Kanchenjunga um, region is a district called Tapleju, is a eastern part of Nepal. Yeah, I born there.
0: And uh, try to describe, like the the city or village or what's it like. How many people uh, live in the village you're from?
1: Actually, my village maybe around only 30 houses, maybe 150 people. But uh, in my village, in my family, only one is uh, is uh, this industry, yeah, as a mountaineer.
0: Yeah. So, what was your uh, your childhood like? What did you do? Did uh, you my,
1: my actually, my family background is a farmer, and in childhood is a, I study in Nepalese government school there, and then. I, just, I came Kathmandu 2007, uh, actually not for the trekking or mountaineer, just I came actually here for the visiting, and then I stuck here because of that time, 2007 8 is uh, some of the problem in Nepal, political situationally. and is a uh, call is a uh, struck 3 month 4 month then i stuck here and then i started to my mountaineering career here as a po- starting from porter
0: yeah because i read i read in an article that uh, you you wanted to go back home but it was kind of like yeah I, uh, um, yeah I, I what do you call it like someone something held you back from yeah. from going there and that was the political situation
1: yeah
0: and then and that's how you got into mountaineering
1: right yeah then i uh, I stuck here, and then I, as a first time, I started from the as a porter.
0: Yeah. So basically, because of the political situation, there was actually a, a civil war in the early two thousands, right? Yes. A- and this was the aftershocks, I guess.
2: Yes, after uh, the monarchy fall in two- thousand and six, uh, there were like some uprising. Uh, between uh, different um, districts, and I think the problem was ethnical, like uh, different ethnicities were fighting and uh, over who had like, the rights to govern the districts and things like that.
0: Okay, so basically he couldn't go back. That, that's, he couldn't go back to his village?
2: Yeah, the, the roads were blocked, so he couldn't go, and it wasn't safe.
0: So as he also needed money, he decided to stay in Kathmandu, and uh, he signed up for this uh, porter job, right
2: yeah, yeah, so he heard someone was offering a porter job, and he said, "Yeah, I can do it, and I think that's yeah, yeah. he went for it oh.
0: maybe this is a good point to uh, to uh, talk about portering what What is a porter because that that might be a a very strange concept to a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I think in general people think uh, that Sherpas are porters, and then they will carry everything for you up the mountain. But um, that's not actually accurate. Um, I- I- um, people living up in the mountains don't have uh, roads for uh, trucks or cars, or yeah, uh, so they have to carry everything in their bags, right? So um, it's just a regular family will have to carry uh, from water to uh, woods or whatever. Uh, to their
0: houses or a washing machine or a refrigerator everything right
2: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's in the Kumbu Valley that yeah. it's yeah, a little more uh, richer uh-huh. but yeah and anything they need basically so uh, since you're a kid you you start like carrying a lot of weight and you're used to it and then in, uh, Nepal is uh, in the mountains they're used to carry up to 30 kilos like ba- daily basics um, that's nothing for them uh, and I think there are some studies about the um, uh, the impacts on their bodies, and they haven't they haven't found any difference between people that um, don't carry thirty kilos every day and Nepalis that do, and it's just that's like the same uh, the same structure, not any health issues just because of that. Yeah. So,
0: well. But some people carry more, right?
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, some people. Yeah, uh, nowadays in the Kumbu Valley, um, you get pay. Um, Uh, per kilo and for distance as well so you can what you can do is you can double the amount in a day Mm -hmm. right so instead of carrying uh, 30 kilos they start carrying 60 and then
0: double the double the length
2: Yeah. yeah exactly and then uh after that they just uh start taking it Uh, further and further and they're carrying now 100 120 kilos which is super crazy because obviously that's detrimental to their health yeah Yeah. so now they're having a lot of uh, health issues because it's i mean of course if you weigh like 50 kilos that's probably the average weight of a porter maybe 50 and and then carrying 120 in your bag Yes, it can be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, porters so porters are um, so are very important in uh, expeditions, uh, trekking expeditions or mountaineering expeditions because they will help to carry all the all the luggage and equipment that is needed. But in general, they will carry something about thirty kilos, uh, forty kilos yeah. at the most. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we signed up for this, and this is when he started getting into the mountains. Right.
2: Yes, th- this is like the first job you will get uh, when you are like a, a farmer and you need some extra incomes. You will try to sign up for an expedition and, and, and work as a porter, carry some some of their equipment. That's a great job because you will all actually get, get paid for that and after that you will get a tip, probably. And that's very good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Also, you'll get to experience the mountains. Yeah.
2: Yes, and then what um what helps you uh on the next step if is during that time you pick up english and you learn english that that's
0: educational as well right
2: yeah Yeah. it's educational as well like if you learn english then you basically can can make it you you can become like a trekking guide assistant at the beginning but um yeah there is like a career there uh so, yeah, you also need context, of course it's like if if no one gives you the opportunity, it's impossible um, but you, English it's what it sometimes it's the line the where it's you can make it or not
0: all right so let's uh let's uh, keep on listening to the interview and see what he says right yeah. all right
1: Then I start to continue. I know theres some of the guide, and then I like to doing progress in every step and then after a few months actually i got the opportunity to guide in someone smaller group is through three peoples and then 2009 i request to some of the my friend and my cousin i need to go to some mountain and then i got the opportunity to um, one of the 8000 meter is manasulu is a um base camp is 4800 meter i got the opportunity to helping for the kitchen staff as a kitchen staff i stay one month here and then i really like to mountaineers because i know the mountain i i see the mountain and then i know the mountain people and then i really like to do the climbing then i started to come back and then some of the my cousin uncle that time he was already submitted three times and then i request to him and then he recommended to two different training as a basic level training 2009 and then 2010 he gave me to the opportunity to climb mount Everest then i started to my mountaineer career
0: all right so you're jumping pretty fast here now so you went from being a porter to a mountaineer in two three two years? years yeah, yeah. Uh, so how what did the training consist of because you, you had the basics like you were physically strong from being a porter carrying lots of uh, kilos on your back right but how do you kind of take the next step to become a mountaineer and climber and stuff what, what was the, the training program like
1: yeah actually that time my age was, was 19 years old but uh, I'm very young but uh, I really like to do and from my heart and then I request to someone and then he give me the opportunity then I respect to that opportunity and then I, every every day every step I respect to that opportunity. Then I give a hundred percent. That's why I success. I
0: think. Yeah. All right. So from there, you were given the opportunity to go to Everest. Yes. Uh, as uh, a personal expedition or as a, a porter and guide there as well. Uh,
1: in that time, uh, some of the main guide and then. I was a uh, assistant kind of assistant guide and then someone helping definitely. And then main guide was my uncle. He's already submitted that before, two th- 2010, three times already Everest. That time I was new and then he's the main guide and part of, I was that time part of assistant, kind of assistant
0: guide and then- For, for a bigger group? Yeah, Okay. Bigger, yeah. okay. And they were uh, foreigners or like, uh, he was guiding a group up to Everest?
1: Yeah, yeah foreigner, all the foreigner group, yeah
0: yeah all right and since then you've been to everest how many times
1: uh actually i joined expedition everest expedition eight times and i summited uh, three times from north side and three times from south side and 2015 big earthquake in nepal that's why that time i was just arrived in base camp and then we s- rescue someone helping for them th- uh, four days and then i back and every season everest was closed and 2016 actually my plan was uh, uh, helping to someone actually leading a rescue team and at the same time my plan was climbing same day Everest and Lhotse
0: and all right Uh, let's just uh, jump in for a second here and uh, explain to the listeners uh, a little bit about the mountains he's talking about so he's uh, saying Lhotse Everest Uh, yeah
2: yeah, Everest Well, is the highest uh, mountain and then Lotse is the fourth highest mountain in the world. And they are connected, they are next to each other. So it's very common to, to try to climb both in a day, it's like a record setting, um, yeah.
0: Alright, back to the interview.
1: And then we follow the rest of the group and we have Everest uh, camper and then suddenly Loce was fixing same day, and someone accident and fixing team, and then he is dead. And then my team uh, leader, actually team leader, and he's a film producer in Camp. He actually not allowed to climb same day Everest and Loche because of uh, some risk factor. And then suddenly five o'clock evening, some of the uh, called radio, our radio, and then someone request to us some of the everest summit and then all the way back uh, 6000 8600 meter they are stuck there and then they are request to helping for the rescue and then i was joined that rescue and then i have come back all right
0: wow so um, yeah rescuing how did you get into rescuing like where did that when did that come into the picture uh, mount i mean your porter and then you uh, you did everest and um, how yeah tell me about your rescue history
1: actually i uh, submitted uh, everest from three times from north side and that that time i saw the some dead bird in the mountain i really scared and actually and after that i saw the someone really requested to rescue team but uh, i cannot help because of normally i was uh, with my client as a guide um our myself is first priority and then second priority is my client and then others something happen and then that is definitely third person because if i really like to help someone but it's not possible then i saw many accident in the mountain and then that time i feel and then who recommend to first time uh, everest and He's uh, teaching a of of me and then he's accident in 2014 in Kumbai, small big accident.
0: All right, we're back from the Astrak uh, climbing wall and uh, uh, I just wanted to jump in here in the interview and say that um, the guy he's talking about, his mentor, his name is uh, Darji...
2: Darji Katri.
0: Darji Katri. And it was his uncle and uh, he, he just briefly mentions it in the interview but uh, he was... Uh, he died in an avalanche in two thousand and sixteen was it two
2: thousand fourteen yeah there was a huge avalanche on a western sport of everest that killed a lot of sherpas and then they did, out of respect they decided to call it off for the year so no one climbed that year uh, it was a huge deal a lot of tension political tension and about the compensation of the families so it was a crucial moment. Uh, to realize that they didn't have like a team to rescue the victims they tried to rescue all of them uh, I think it was 16 uh, victims I don't I'm not sure um, and they rescue only 13 um, uh, I mean the bodies yeah uh, uh, recover 13 bodies and uh, yeah so it was all, all this questioning about whether to to recover the bodies or not or Surrounded that the whole tragedy.
0: All right, let's continue with the interview. And if you hear some drilling in the background, it's uh, it's actually a climber who works here and he's uh, rerouting the, uh, <laughs> the the routes on, on the climbing wall. So, uh, all right, let's continue. You change your perspective on the whole thing, and right?
1: I'm yeah. Planning to, he's giving the opportunity to me. He's dead, but I need to do something different. And then I really like to establish rescue team in Nepal, and then. 2016 and 2013 i really like to join some of the rescue and the helping is that is uh, actually i really
0: like yeah so, so when he um, unfortunately uh, died in 2014 yes. you took a step back and had to kind of yeah think twice about uh, what you were doing right and, uh, and then your new approach was rescuing and okay so you you have this rescuing approach and and how did this uh doing all the the fourteen eight thousand peaks come into the picture
1: uh, actually, my plan was guiding mountaineer as a mountaineer i guiding continue elevation or whatever that is actually uh, certainly two thousand uh, last year I got as a certainly new opportunity and then Actually, Nims was planning to 14 peak in seven months.
0: Okay, we're back here. Uh, I, I just wanted to comment. Uh, he, he says Nims. Uh, let's maybe uh, talk a little bit about Nims. His, uh, his name is uh, Nirmal.
2: Yeah, Nirmal Purja, or uh, in um, how people call him, uh, it's Nims, Nims die. Yeah, uh, he's a mountaineer. Uh, he's been around for a few years, climbing 8,000 uh, meter mountains. He was uh, he was um, in uh, British Army Special Forces.
0: W- was he a Gurkha? Was that?
2: Yes, yeah. he was. He was. He was a Gurkha. Yeah, exactly.
0: Now let's talk about the Gurkhas for a minute.
1: Yeah.
2: All right, that's a special battalion, I think, in the, yeah. in the British Army. Um, that means. No, no, come on. I'm sorry I got distracted yeah (laughs) Um, all right Uh, short long story short um, there is a special battalion uh, of Nepalese um, Gorkas it's an ethnicity Gorkas and um, it's there because uh, British uh, consider them like very well uh, suited for war and strong warriors and very courageous so they were uh, based in Hong Kong for many years and after Hong Kong was like um, gave to the Chinese back in 1997 they went uh, to the UK and, and Singapore um, well the thing is that they have like this uh, kind of I don't know if it's double nationality or What's the agreement going on?
0: I think uh, if you serve as a Gurkha for a certain amount of years, you will get a British citizenship. I think it's, I think it's over 10 years or something, like maybe 7 or 10 years. I- I'm not sure. We should do more re- research, but uh, you get the concept. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, Nims yeah. was a Gurkha and uh, a mountaineer, and he called up Mingma when he got this opportunity to do this project, which was called the Project Possible, which I, if you want to maybe uh, draw some parallels to running, uh, it's kind of like the uh, the uh, Breaking Two project, where they uh, wanted to see if you could run the marathon in under two hours. Yeah?
2: i suppose i yeah. don't know you don't know anything about this okay <laughs> No, I don't know. but right.
0: but that's uh that's names. we have set the context and uh, let's just continue with the with the chat okay
1: and then he he's my kind of uh, brother and like a friend brother that uh, like a business partner and then why not together and then and then this year and all the rest of them uh, fo- all the 14 rest of the mountain i submitted um, Already six different thousand meter, and then rest of the eight mountain. Yeah, I so you
0: had you had uh, some of them beforehand, right? Yeah,
1: six mountain, yeah. yeah, and then this year eight different, yeah.
0: And so uh, you said you, you you were given the opportunity. Was that uh, what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, was it sponsors or was it uh, yeah t- with this uh, project uh, possible as you call it? Um, uh, actually, not. Uh,
1: his uh, project possible is his project actually but uh, he giving to me the guiding opportunity and the manage the all the project and then I, I submitted already to K2 Everest and Manasula many times that's why I just I managed the, from best camp and the helping for the other managed thing and then rest the other 8000 8, 8, meter and then I'm guiding with him yeah.
0: All right, so uh, Mingma, he has actually climbed all of the 8,000 peaks 23 times, right?
2: But, I mean, not all of them 23 times. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no.
0: but in total, he's been on the summits of these 14 mountains 23 times. Yep. Right, so he's been to Everest, let's see here, uh, six. six times, yeah. Choyu once, Manaslu four times, Makalu once, Ketu twice, Lhotse once, Annapurna once, uh, Dolagiri once. How do you pronounce the next one?
2: Kanchenjunga once.
0: Uh, Nanga Parbat once.
2: Gashabrum one and two once each. And then Broad Peak once and Shikshapakma once. Right.
0: Okay, I just wanted to jump in and, <laughs> and say that. Okay, let's continue. So you've done all the peaks. Um, maybe we can talk about uh, the different mountains. Like, and and maybe the logistics about because I mean the f- the first ones you did, um, the first six, you did by your own kind of, yeah, and then the rest yeah, yeah. you, you were with uh, NIMS and you kind of rushed it to do the record, right? What was the logistics like for for the uh, for being able to do it so fast together with NIMS?
1: That is uh, one of the biggest challenge logistics and the management and the is it's one of the tough because uh, if we miss uh, one mountain it's a window and then difficult to continue that's why this is the one of the logistic is one of the tough thing and also weather and then team is is, is one of the tough uh, job I think
0: yeah. So, yeah so how did you get between all the mountains I mean a helicopter or a bus or a what
1: yeah we use in Nepal is a uh, base camp uh, to bus cam is a uh, helicopter and that is the first phase and the second phase five mountain in Pakistan there is a, we walk all the way yeah. and sometime is, porter is really slow and then we wake up at night uh, one o'clock, we carry our equipment around 25 kg yeah. and then we walk around 46 km per day and then catch a on um, best camp to best camp, and then we start to few days race and then climbing again and then actually we cannot uh, use helicopter in Pakistan
0: yeah all right uh well wow, that's really impressive you are an ultra runner without even knowing it you know
1: <laughs> yes i i, l- I really like <laughs> i really like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, okay um so you did yeah all these peaks is what what mountain do you remember the most what was the most difficult or or most memorable?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I joined K two expedition four times, all the time leading fixing team, as a, as a uh, fixing rope, and two times only camp free, and then two times summit as a fixing leading team. And but one of the difficult mountain is K two, I think as as a mountain wise, but the, it's difficult or it's only not mountain sometimes it's weather sometimes it's physically sometimes mentally sometimes it's no condition also i think that is also sometimes easy mountain also difficult but uh, as a mountain voice is k2 is
0: difficult for me right. yeah uh Annapurna, is that uh, i heard it's very technical if you compare it to k2 or the other ones so but but k2 is by far the most technical
1: yeah, Annapurna also, uh, but uh, this year, we submitted this year. Also, I try 2013, winter expedition. But uh, mountain is mainly is, is snow condition. And weather is um, an avalanche that is the risk and then difficult. But we don't know, sometimes mountain is easier, sometimes it's difficult. But uh, at the technical ways, it's K2 is tough for me.
0: All right, so uh, let's uh, jump in and talk a little bit about risk in the mountains. So you have this uh, list of uh, the most deadly, or uh, how should we put it, Uh, the risk of uh, summiting these uh, 8000 peaks. And uh, it looks like Annapurna is the most risky one, right?
2: Yeah there is a ranking. Um, they measure it actually by uh, comparing the amount of climbers that successfully climb the mountain and come back safe versus the amount of uh, climbers on the same season that die. So the, uh, the deadly, death rate. Okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the most dangerous one is Annapurna, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, with uh, 34 percent of um, chances that you will die there. So that's kind of like out of a group of 10, Three and a half will die, kind of like, yeah. So that's a lot of people. So If you are climbing Annapurna, you have to say, hey, three of us, or four, are not coming back.
0: Would you say it's uh, people die in the mountains because of the lack of um, technique and experience, or is it because of just uh, pure luck and avalanche and crevasses and stuff?
2: I think it's a combination. Some of them are really experienced and have a lot of... uh, uh, Technical abilities and skills, and then sometimes you just get bad luck. Like uh, there are many stories out there. Um, Yeah, like
0: earthquakes, you know, and avalanches. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. What happened is in 2014, like in the mountain, a lot of uh, expert climbing Sherpas died uh, because of an avalanche. So, yeah, and then it, just to put numbers into perspective, to compare, Everest have a 4% of uh, possibilities of dying up there. So uh, that's just insane compared to, uh, uh, to K2 or Annapurna. 34, 29, 4%.
0: All right, let's continue. Okay, wh- what about uh, oxygen? There are a lot of people that have opinions on this, and you probably have had a lot of people uh, yeah, approaching you with this this topic. What was your uh, what's your thoughts on using o- oxygens in these kinds of uh, expeditions? Um, nowadays, uh,
1: many uh, people is blaming each other. That is uh, actually is bad thing because of uh, some people is using oxygen is. Uh, some people is not using oxygen. That is the uh, own decision. If it's some people is uh, really happy to climb with oxygen, but that is the own decision, because uh, if you everyone like to just compare, competition each other, ego each other, then accident happen in the mountain. But actually, what is the our condition we know ourselves and then using oxygen or not that's our own decision but as I'm guide I really like to go climb with oxygen because uh, I submitted every six time and uh, recently uh, this year we climb um, with oxygen I carry extra bottle oxygen also one bottle in my backpack because of uh, we submitted uh, Annapurna rescue uh, one people and then come Kathmandu and then a few days race because of bad weather coming and then we fly the uh, Daulagiri base camp and then again bad weather and then we come Pukhara five day race and then we back to Daulagiri base camp and we submitted uh, uh, Daulagiri May 12 and then we all the way back to base camp then next day fly to Kathmandu and then uh, party <laughs> little bit, and then next day we back to Kanchenjunga base camp, and we arrive 11 o'clock, and then take lunch there, and then make a backpack, and then we start to 1 o'clock from base camp to all the way summit, and then next morning 11 o'clock, we summited Kanchenjunga
0: So, what uh, Mingma is really trying to explain here is that, also without oxygen he would never have been able to actually do all these peaks so fast because you, <laughs> it demands so much of the body right and uh, the recovery of being above the death zone so many times and so much it's just too taxing on the body
2: yeah that's right and also um, I think that he's trying to to uh, to set, uh to say is that um, he wouldn't be able to help people if he He's not using oxygen up
0: there. Or carrying an extra bottle, for example.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's important. Yeah.
0: All right, let's continue.
1: And then I carry extra bottle oxygen. I use one oxygen. I carry one of the extra bottle. And then summit. And then we back. And then we found the one uh, Indian climber. He's stuck there because of uh, no oxygen. And then we give him my extra oxygen. And then we rescue and then is that why you
0: carry the extra one for for potentially rescuing others
1: actually not for only others but actually if sometime is um, oxygen that is the sometime is um, uh, altitude make a uh, wind pressure change and then sometimes is it damage our oxygen and then our l- lives risk, and then then we come back again and then we go again summit that is the more day again there. And then we I carry extra oxygen and then I give him to and we rescue continue. And then we, one hour later, we found another client is stuck there. And then I give him my oxygen. And then that uh, because of uh, not that much, only 50 pressure. And then three hours later, that finish. And the NIMS give oxygen, another Sherpa give oxygen. And then we rescue continue. If I climb without oxygen, I I cannot help other people, right. yeah. But that is uh, not ego. If I use oxygen, definitely. If I saw the something and then some people is travel in mountain, I definitely help. But if I climb without oxygen, I cannot help. That's a sure. But uh, all the deepen up uh, people, someone blaming each other. Some people we are actually we are like to develop every year. That's why you climb mountain, that's why you research many things. Actually 50 years before many people is climbing from uh, walking from Giri to and then climb Everest. Nowadays all the people is flying Lukla. We are not comparing that time and now.
0: Yeah, let's let's comment on that. Uh, He talks about uh, acclimatization and uh, yeah, and he talks about Lukla. Let's just uh, put some context.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, um,
0: because people don't know what Lukla is and all these, uh, yeah, small villages.
2: Yeah, he's talking also about Jiri. So in the old days, uh, people had to go by road until uh, to, up to Jiri, and then just walk from Jiri to base camp. And nowadays, they fly to Lukla, which is a small village up in the mountains, no roads, um, and then you walk from there. It can take you something between nine to 11 days to get to base camp depending on, on your speed and well uh, if how much uh, you respect the acclimatization rules as well
0: yeah you know this because you guide people up there right
2: yeah exactly yeah for my groups I uh, I take it very slowly so it takes us 11 days to get to base camp but that's how I managed to get a high rate of success uh, for them and just feel well and not that they're rushing and I mean, uh, avoid uh, AMS.
1: I finished it. Uh, this year I submitted all the 14 peaks 2019. I cannot compare after 30 years. It's different. It's, we cannot uh, blame each other. Mountain is a uh, kind of vicious. Yeah.
0: What's it like being above 8,000 meters, the so-called death zo- zone? what's the difference like is there a switch from 7,900 in your body to 8,000 what's tell me about like being that high above sea level
1: actually um, sometime I was um, I submitted uh, all the 14 peak every s- uh, six time, but uh, we don't know our condition above 8,000 last year I was strong this year maybe now yeah that's why we don't know our in our body also, but we need to decide our how, what is our my condition we need to know that properly yeah,
0: yeah. so when you're above eight thousand that's when your body starts deteriorating. How many hours can you be there without uh dying without any um, supplemental oxygen or anything
1: that is the, the actually dependent person also because of uh, I climbed with oxygen 2013 from south side and then I summited uh, 6 o'clock morning and some of the my friend was coming 11:30 summit, he is the last one and then I waiting in summit maybe f- more than 5 hours and then I try to, I climb with oxygen and then I take out oxygen 3 hours I try but it's okay for me
0: so basically what Mingma said was that uh, he was at the top of Everest for 5 hours just waiting for some other people and for 3 hours he took out the, uh, the oxygen tube and exper- <laughs> experimented with his, with his own body to see what happened and uh, let's maybe explain a little bit more about the uh, death, zone. death zone the death zone starts at 7620 meters which is about uh, 25,000 feet. And this is where the body can no longer acclimatize to the altitude. The lungs can't get enough oxygen, and the cells actually begin to die. So there's a kind of a, a set amount of uh, time you can actually be in the death zone. You will die if you stay there uh, too long. Do, do we know how long? No?
2: I don't. I mean, no. I don't know. I, I, I know that... Uh, Rob Hall, uh, from the 1996 tragedy, he survived over 24 hours up there. Uh, so he spent actually one whole night, and next day he was radioing everybody down there. So we all know that so, from the story. Yeah, so.
0: so you can survive for it? Yeah.
2: It depends on your body. Yeah. Everybody's different.
0: Uh, you just said 1996 tragedy. You, you can't just say that without explaining just briefly what that was about.
2: All right. Uh, well, I think everybody saw the movie Everest, or at least a lot of people. And this this was one of the biggest tragedies uh, on Everest up until um, 2014 um, avalanche that killed all those Sherpas. Uh, so this were like this is like the beginning of the commercial expeditions on Mount Everest, uh, there were two big um, companies, Mounted Madness in, from America and um, New Zealand uh, Adventure Consultants. And then what really happened there, it was they took a lot of bad decisions up in the mountains, uh, the two head of the companies, and they die at the mountain, and a, a bunch of climbers as well. Like so the
0: guides died?
2: Yes, they did, both of them. And they they were legends. They were legendary. They were super good. And they died because they took horrible decisions up there. And a lot of climbers died as well, uh, clients. And, yeah, it was a huge... uh, There was a huge controversy about uh, why they did what they did and what happened and how to prevent that from happening again. And there are many versions about what happened. But I mean, it's yeah, pretty be-
0: much everyone that was there has written a book.
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, but it's very complicated. You have to be there uh, when you are in altitude. Uh, the way you think, it's very different from uh, what we experience down here. So I think that has a lot to do with uh, what happened up there. Uh, we we don't we don't, we are kind of like in a. I don't know. When I experience altitude, I haven't experienced that altitude. <laughs> but when I experience it, um, it's uh, it's kind of like you are drunk a little bit. Yeah. 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 You you feel like you are not in total control. You are just keep on.
0: I can take a quote from uh, from Sir Hillary from the 1953 expedition, which was the first uh, successful summit of Everest. Uh, they said that they took out the because uh, they were using oxygen and they took out the oxygen tube for 10 minutes just to take some pictures and stuff and uh, what he said was that he was uh, he was becoming rather clumsy fingered and slow moving
2: yeah it's it's um it's crazy but uh, actually up there we have like the uh, only 31% of the concentration of oxygen that we have at sea level so that affects you a lot like uh your Neurological connections (laughs) are not the same, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, let's continue. Yeah, but uh, that is um, not everyone the same, and mainly uh, mentally, physically, also make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And just taking oxygen is actually uh, I've read is not enough because it's not only the oxygen that helps you acclimatize, right? you need to acclimatize uh, or tell me about that you can't just you can't just go from sea level to 8005 and bring a bottle of oxygen and survive
1: actually if you someone climb without oxygen that people need to really really good acclimatize but uh, normally who walk in mountain like uh, Everest, like uh, as a sheriff guide and then they are actually all the capable to climb without oxygen because of they carry load eight bottle oxygen, can to 7950 meters. They carry nine bottle, 10 bottle oxygen, and then they carry 10, they carry food, everything. They are actually everyone capable to climb without oxygen. Yeah, you had a comment there, uh, Catherine.
2: Yeah, I think what he's trying to say is that uh, Sherpas in general, uh, they have the ability to go up there and carry a lot of things, a lot of weight, and then perform perf- perform yeah, well. Uh, they don't need oxygen, but since they are guiding people, they need to to uh, have the certainty, you know, to be sure that they can manage to help people and uh, they have time. Uh, to help them come down. Because what happened in 1996, um, it's that one of, the, one of the guides there, Anatoly Bukrev, uh, he, he was very good at altitude. He didn't need to use uh, oxygen to climb. So he decided to go without oxygen, but with a lot of clients. So he didn't have much time up there. He had to come down. To, to recover and then because of that some of the clients were left behind with other um, with uh, other Sherpas but he wasn't there he was one of the main leaders of the expedition so uh, many people uh, were uh, like uh, complaining about that and that's one of the biggest big controversies out of that tragedy yeah
0: All right. Hey tell me about the the Sherpas because I think it's like uh in let's call it the west or Norway where I'm from. Uh, we hear about the Sherpas uh and I think most people they think about them as just uh carriers or helpers in the mountains. But uh it's also a family or a uh, uh a Yeah, can you can you go into that?
1: Actually people are thinking about uh, Sherpa is a only carry load in the mountain. That's the called Sherpa. But Sherpa is as um, a caste also many different uh, sector also. But yeah, uh, you
0: share a last name. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah is, is a last name. But as a Sherpa, actually, not only carry load. They are manage everything. They are guiding actually. They make a route. They make uh, manage food. They manage a uh, tent. They manage everything. They rescue a eight thousand meters. Who as a Sherpa, they are uh, actually full guide. Mm. Yes.
0: You're planning on opening up a commercial route to show you, right? Is that? Yeah, that's correct. Yes,
1: actually. Actually, that is the NIM's planning to that project, and then if he started, I definitely join and then okay, help okay. him. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you're in the same company, right? So it's it's the company uh and what's the reason behind that uh
1: actually that mountain is counting in nepal and and the people like to climb up actually show you and then only from uh, is a north side from tibet also it's it's possible to climb from nepal side also if we make a route from nepal side actually help for the Nepal ocean, Nepal. And also it's possible if we open that route and then easy to manage uh, because short time because Choyu, Everest, Loche is very near. Mm-hmm. And then if we open the commercial route in from Nepal side, same season, if we want a strong client, they want to summit three peak at the same time easily because uh, very near. And easy to manage logistically also
0: yeah. All right, and uh, let's talk about uh, the company. Uh, is it a guiding company? you help cli- clients get up uh, on Everest and then, like wh- what's it all about what's it about?
1: Um, NiMS and I have a uh, elite Himalayan adventure that is our guiding company. and actually we have uh, young people and who like to really climb mountain as a big mountain as a small mountain and we are guiding from elite Himalayan adventure where both of us and we normally we're guiding we are focused on totally new people actually we organize um, Akumkanga and Argentina is easiest peak oh, so
0: not just uh, in Nepal
1: yeah he, that is in Argent, yeah, yeah Argentina and then the beginner people we teach there and then we bring the himalayas yeah
0: hey what would it take uh, for a guy like me i'm, I'm a pretty fit guy i can i can i can run in altitude uh i can run for for days uh, <laughs> uh, but i'm not very experienced in high altitude and in climbing I've, I've been sport climbing in in inside and stuff but how can i take the next step to be able to for example do the you route that you're setting up, or or Everest, for that sake?
1: Uh, actually, first of all, you know, you need to know your body condition, your feet or not. If some people is in the sea level, it's very strong, very fit, but we don't know about the high altitude, but that's why you need to know your feet or not feet. You need to climb small feet, definitely, um, like Akumkanga and then Mountain is a uh, different technique and stuff, and then we ne- you need to know ourselves. If someone really fits in the sea level, but they cannot go easily in Mount Everest, they need to know condition. That means you need to climb a small peak, definitely, and then step by step, yeah, 7,000 meters, 6,000, 6, 7,000, 8,000, then it's uh, more safety.
0: So that's more about altitude, but what about techniques and stuff, like, uh, being able to actually climb and do the climbing? Yeah. How how many years or uh, how much experience to, should one have to maybe hire you guys?
1: Actually, te- technique things. If someone uh, really like to climb mountain, and then if you give hundred percent, it's only week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's normal technique. It's uh, basic things and also guide will be teaching you and then guiding but uh, not depend on the guiding 100% because the guide is only helping but client also need to know his uh, own skill
0: Yeah, Catherine you're taking some notes here (laughs) I'm uh, assuming you have some questions Uh, let's go through your list (laughs) right
2: (laughs) sorry I didn't want to interrupt you before like you were all the time just talking and it was so natural yeah but I I know I know a lot about the history of the climbs in Nepal and all of that so and right now I was just trying to write a question uh, not to forget Uh, it's like uh, what do you think um, about there is this controversy like last year, Everest was full of people, right? Tons of permits were given by Nepalese government. And nowadays uh, they say that, well, they should maybe uh, ask people for another higher peak, like 7,000 meters or something, uh, before actually granted the, the Everest um, permit. But people say, well, this will be very easy for Nepalese companies also westerners just to take clients without experience to any other peak here in Nepal. It could be maybe Lobuche or whatever, Island Peak, Meta Peak, easy easy peaks. Um, and then take them to a, to kind of climb there. You know, you achieve it, you have already you six thousand, seven thousand meter peak and then you can go forever as well. So but what do you think about that? Because my I have troubles uh, sometimes thinking that it's problematic to take people that doesn't have any experience in mountaineering because that's when you have to rescue those people. Because if their if, if Sherpa is not around, they don't know what to do. And when you are in altitude, when you say sometimes you your mind is not very clear, it's like you are kind of daydreaming and so many things can happen. So if you don't know your body, you don't know that that will happen because you're never actually been in that altitude. Then it's very it's very risky. It's very risky business like to be up there. You you wouldn't you if there is like a storm coming or whatever, uh you wouldn't know what to do. You have no clue, right? So you depend completely 100% on your sherpa guide. And that puts a lot of pressure on you. Like more than you, you should have. Like, I don't, I mean, that person should be, like, uh, responsible for their own life as well. So I don't know. What's your, because from what you're saying um, and from what I know about you guys and the the the, the, the way you think in Himala, elite Himalayan, um, I think you, you are the ones that give opportunity to people. You believe in people and you can achieve it if you give your 100% and I, and I honestly like that and I like to think that that's true but not everybody it's like you uh, like you become a high altitude mountaineer in two years like or uh, I don't know just, I just like to hear uh, to hear what you think about it uh,
1: actually um, in our guiding company is uh, many people asking about the uh, I'm interested to climb Mount Everest and I'm interested to climb Mount K2 but uh, actually and then we ask to definitely our who like to climb Mount Everest and who like to climb K2 and then we ask uh, his background CV you have any mountain experience and then and then if they are beginner people and then we we give a uh, opportunity to c- join with us in uh, a like that, a small peak, and okay. then actually in our gui- guiding company, we cannot take some, uh, take uh beginner people to directly Everest because of that is the risk f- for us, and it's a um, it's difficult. It's uh, not about the money. It's uh, it's connected with directly in the life. That's why actually we teach lots of things in the small peak first and then step by step if you they submitted Akum Kanga, they then we is there and then they are ready for the Manasulu and then if he submitted Manasulu and they're ready for Everest that's the, and then if he submitted Manasulu Everest and then he's ready for the K2 that's the process but you cannot give a chance for the beginner people to directly Everest or K2 yeah yeah
0: there, there's this thing uh, going around uh, that if you have the money you can summit Everest. What do you think about that?
1: Actually in adventure is uh, who have a money actually they like to hire four or five different guides but that is also definitely guide will be help. Uh, one guide then two guides three guide. definitely more help but uh, They don't know if something happened, it's a normal technical things, if they're not inclined and then sometimes it's a big accident, that's the, I think, wrong, actually. We need to teach first um, basic level in the small mountain and then we need to know our client is enough strong to go mountain, Mount Everest or not, we need to decide, if you give a give uh, big money and then big travel definitely
0: let's, uh, let's comment on that Catherine you had something to say here
2: yeah I think uh, what uh, he meant is that you can have you can pay for a lot of help a lot of Sherpas to go with you but at the end of the day it's you that you have to walk all the way up and down so it's it's not as like easy as like if I have money I can climb Everest it will help Definitely, a lot. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah.
0: H- how much does the, for example, the permit cost? Do you know that?
2: Yeah, eleven thousand dollars per person. So a commercial uh, expedition, I think it's around sixty thousand dollars, something like that. Okay.
0: All right. The, uh, you know, the famous picture that was going around of the everyone standing in line to get on top of Everest. Um, were you there?
1: Uh, actually. Uh, this year uh, I was um not there in everest uh but the this year, many people thinking about the uh, everest is a traffic jam, but that is actually not traffic jam traffic jam is when it to totally stuck there, but there is many people same day there is a line actually, and then they are. Moving continue, that means is a li- line. Some people said, many people said, it's a traffic jam. And but also if we uh, cooperate all the companies in Nepal and then all the leaders in the who work in the Everest bus camp, if you, they manage to little open earlier season is route like a uh, April, fifteen April twenty is then every day is a big long window and maybe seven eight uh, windows and then also we cannot see that kind of line but uh, that kind of line is not new things every year normally since
2: 2002 uh, yeah so isn't it that like a lot of people died this year uh, in, in those traffic uh, jams up there, that traffic it, line, yeah, yeah, traffic lines, really. Uh, don't you think some of those uh, um, deaths were because those people were inexperienced? They were not ready to be in Everest, but somehow many commercial companies are taking them. That's that's related somehow to what I was talking before. It's like many people without experience going up is going to Everest and. K2 or Manaslu. Manaslu is getting very commercial nowadays.
1: But the only thing is nowadays uh, some accident in mountain. Definitely not only new people but uh, is people many people dead in the mountain not only mountain region. Many people is uh, dead in the mountain is a heart attack report. Is It's not dependent on the mountain. It's people dead in a different, different kind of uh, situation but it's uh, dead people is uh, not only mountain region and also another thing is people there in the mountain because of m- people thinking about uh, its everest is more easier but uh, in my opinion it, everest is more difficult because of all the people said it's global warming global warming means uh, ice movement is uh, quite fast or some risks. But only people um, ego each other, like uh, it's blender people are summit, some, uh, some, some uh, not enough strong, like a uh, kind of uh, some uh, input person or summit. And then people are, hey, he is submitted. For me, easy. And then actually many people are submitted. Everest, like uh, some blend, some uh, double infinity, but we don't research about the background because uh, they manage a twenty guide or ten guide. We don't know about that. That hey, he submitted. I'm he's then I'm strong and ego is other. Then definitely high risks in m- mountain, but uh, Everest is not easy because of uh, twenty years before then. Everyone, the equipment and technically weather, technical things, is deploying every year. That's that's why it becomes easy. But mountain, as a mountain, is more difficult because sometimes uh, sometime snowing lots of, sometimes avalanche is high, it's global warming. As mountain is, I think, risks difficult.
0: Yeah. You're starting to see the effects of uh, global warming, right? And uh, I read an article that... Uh, all the melting in the mountains is actually now <laughs> exposing dead bodies and a lot of trash. How are you seeing the effects of that?
1: Yeah, also, yeah, only the, not um, that things also definitely making more global warming problem. Also, in many, many industry in the, in over the world and then they make a more, I think, every year we see the more ice is mega melting and everywhere changing mountain is every year. moving ice is so fast yeah yeah
0: so uh, okay, uh, now we talked a lot about everest. Uh, uh, what about the other mountains Wh- what's the most spectacular mountain in your opinion what's the most with the the, the one with the, the best views maybe or uh, what was your best experience through this uh, through all these peaks for me. Uh, K2 is K2?
1: K2 yes because of uh, that is the it's big mountain definitely and there is uh, some challenges also weather challenge and but most beautiful part is there is a rock rock climbing point and ice climbing and ice technique soft snow part and it's a it's a kind of proper mountain because a mountain is some part is rock is yeah, yeah. we feel every every different kind of uh, uh, most enjoyable climbing rock yeah. climbing ice climbing yeah. snow climbing yeah. everything's
0: yeah you get to do everything on k2 yeah, yeah, yeah it challenge yeah, challenges, challenges you yeah yeah okay and uh, what about the future now i mean you you got this company you've done this uh, huge effort of all the peaks um are you, is, it, is it rescuing and uh, doing guiding that's uh, on your calendar or uh, do you have any other like records or something? Uh, actually, I don't,
1: re- don't want to really make a different record. If I get the opportunity, definitely I make a record but uh, I don't know nothing about uh, record because I manage a company and then helping for the new beginner people and then manage company that's the, my plan, yeah. And if possible, uh, is uh, manage a manager rescue team in Nepal because uh, Nepal has a big 8,000, uh, many 8,000 meters, eight different 8,000 meters. And then actually, really, we need to one of the big rescue team in Nepal because of big mountain in Nepal. That's why, actually, not uh, only not uh, for the Nepalese, actually whole mountaineer community yeah, who ca- like to come uh, every sort of ca- big mountain Himalayas they need to re- actually they like to climb mountain but also they re- need to back to home that's why we cannot save 100% to help uh, if we make a rescue team but certain percent definitely we minimize to accident that's why it's a um, not as a Nepali climber, only not uh, really like to that rescue team in Nepal. But as a whole mountaineer. Is uh, many different countries. Is people dead in in Nepal. But actually, they don't. They don't need to die in the mountain. They need to summit and then they need to back to home. That's why you need to make a good rescue team in Nepal. Is but as uh, a private uh, company, it's not possible. We need to work together. It's an international rescue company, as an international different con- many country. Many countries have a mountain club and mountain rescue team. And then also Nepal, we need to all together and then cooperate together. And then we need to make a good rescue team in Nepal. And then we need to save someone life in Nepal.
0: Yes. Over to something completely different. Are you a rock star in Nepal now? Can you walk on the streets without being uh, chased by, uh, by fanboys and fangirls? <laughs> like we approached you at the cafe yesterday, uh, are you able to go to a cafe without anyone coming over and saying congrats and stuff? Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Alright, you have any uh, other questions uh, Catherine?
2: Well, I have. Uh, you probably
0: have a lot of <laughs> questions. Yeah, fire away. Yeah,
2: I have many questions, but I just um, I have a feeling that um, you don't think a lot about the risks involved. Like you just you go, you you trust your abilities, and then. But I also heard that recently you were a father, like you have a kid, and then well you have a family. So here in in Nepal is. A Big deal, families, and being a climber. So, what do you think about that? What's what your family think about that? How how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, actually, and luckily, no one is tough my job because I think that kind of uh, this kind of rich job, no one help uh, in I think. Actually, in Nepal, normally all the depend up uh, one person. That's why, but but until now, I'm honestly maybe lucky. Mm-hmm. My family was uh, they don't say to you, you don't go to the mountain, yes, stay here. My family has never said that. That's why luckily I summited uh, all the mountain. Yeah.
0: Yes. When did you have? uh, Have uh, do you have uh, more kids than one, or how many kids do you have? Yeah, one, one, yeah. When did you have the kid? Yeah, since
1: today's uh, ten month.
0: Ten months. Okay. All right. So you did. uh, Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, How did your approach change uh, once you had the kid, like to mountaineering and risk taking? Did it it change or?
1: Yes, uh, Uh. I feel that because um, before I never scared in the mountain. Big earthquake happened in Nepal, and then after earthquake time, I was in the Everest Base Camp. Seventeen people is dead in Base Camp, and then that time I feel so bad. But I thinking myself, is risks is everywhere because of, uh, one of the most risks part is between Base Camp and Camp One. That time, more than hundred people. People in that area, but nobody died nobody injured there, but in Best Camp is the safest place, 17 people died in, in Kathmandu is many people died And since that time I think about it. is everywhere. People died everywhere, but depending on situation, depending on time, then many people is uh, changed. Even my even my cousin brother is stopped to climbing. And after that few months, I come, uh, I come back uh, Kathmandu after one week, and then I join many Arwithda, relief rescue and then food distribution program. And, and after maybe 15 days, I joined the K2 expedition and continue, and then continue to Manaslu. And that's why I finished 14 peak. I never stopped uh, my dream, and I feel people dead everywhere. But, road, uh, but we need to take care of ourselves. But we don't know who, who is the dead place. And, uh,
2: I just find it incredible uh, that you um, are just doing all this uh, um, going to mountains the way you go and achieving all these uh, incredible uh, well, records. <laughs> and I think I read the other day um, the newspapers and they said like proud of like nepal is proud of you guys like nims and you like for what you've been doing lately and um, i just wonder how do you feel uh about uh what you like what you're doing now to to put the sherpa name up there because before like a few years ago it's like sherpas were only like helping people but the real mountaineers where the people come, like, the Westerners? But now you're showing up, like, you are real, real mountaineers, and you are doing incredible things that, uh, hey, many Westerners are not able to do because, actually, you have, I don't know, something else in your blood, maybe. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure.
1: But um, as a mountaineer, uh, I get the opportunity, I did that... Uh, Fourteen peak as a youngest person but uh, it's my opinion not blaming each other yeah, I got opportunity mm-hmm. definitely I need to help uh, tomorrow other young people and Westerner or Nepalese it doesn't matter as a guide as a client then as a guide is more t- tough job they need to carry they need to as climbing the point is thing is only summit, but uh, we don't need to blame each other. Sherpa people is more strong, but uh, they are strong, there. that's why I help other people. But that is not blaming thing. Yeah, we need to help, it's more about the research. We need to, I, I completed 14 peak in 13 years. Tomorrow, maybe some people it complete 25 years. I need to help is more about the research, not for only Sherpas, not only for Nepal, whole mountaineering community and we need to help each other. That uh, success is not only for me, it's uh, many people help for me because uh, many uh, brand like a helicopter company, some company make a helicopter, some uh, brand make a good uh, boot, some make a good rope, that's why we are for us easier more easier easier but we need to not blaming each other we need to help the young people that is a good for the all people it's a good for the industry yeah that's very
2: inspiring it's like it's incredible to hear you because you are really humble about your achievements yeah like i don't
0: know yeah you're the sherpa of the year right 2019 sherpa of the year what kind of award is that what uh is it normally uh, mountaineering that that's being awarded or could it could be something totally different
1: actually that award is a kind of uh, oscar award oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is a uh, mountaineering about the mountaineering and actually that award uh, goes to the um, technical climb technical mountain climber and but i got that that uh, Award. I did uh, more than 80 rescues in the Himalayas. That's why I got that opportunity to uh, uh, share for the year 2019. That uh, giving from Tirpale, uh, Union of uh, Alpine Association. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's really inspiring. And uh, I'm guessing you're inspiring a lot of other Nepalese uh, kids out there. Uh, do you have any like you had your uncle are you a mentor of uh, some young kids or uh, are you a personal mentor to someone right now
1: actually no No.
0: just a personal mentor to all of your millions of followers on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool maybe uh, this is a good time to uh, to round off I don't know do you have any other questions uh, Catherine
2: well I don't think I have more like very relevant questions now no, i think yeah i think it's it's incredible it's an incredible honor to meet you uh to hear you you are so humble again i have to say that because what you have done <laughs> and then just just you just say no it's nothing it's i it was an opportunity and i took it <laughs> yeah um i think it's like a huge star he's a rock star and he he's humble about it yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, for taking your time. It's been uh, really cool to meet you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. so honor to meet you. Yeah. 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 See you again in yeah. the mountain. Yeah, yeah. I'll be mountain back. Become a new mountaineer.
0: Uh, I'll be back next year and maybe I can uh, go with you to some uh, easier,
1: but not easier. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Starting off from uh, the Garden of Dreams in Kathmandu, yeah.
1: Yes. to entertain you